When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth about aging. Now, the one thing we don't want to do, we are scared of this survey show. We don't want to give away the keys. And a time comes in the life, probably already in your life, if you're a baby boomer like most of my audience, where you've seen some decline in your uh, parents or an older loved one, and they don't want to stop driving, and you want them to, and you say to yourself, I don't want to be like that. I never want anybody to wrestle those keys out of my hands. I want to drive for the rest of my life. Okay. Uh, There may come a time when that is not safe, but you can make your driving life as long as possible with a particular kind of modality we're going to be talking about today. And so if you want driving longevity, just like you have bio longevity that we talk about all the time, you're really going to want to listen to this show. Now, I'm going to make a little bit of a transition with a bit of business. Please don't forget to go on our website, adrianberg.com, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com, and sign up for our free newsletter. Every single week, you get hints and tips on successful aging. And just this week, we sent you to, free of charge, three really important biological seminars that are really only open to folks who are in the medical profession. One of them had to do with COVID uh, vaccines, and Dr. Fauci was the speaker and several others that make you an insider on successful aging and longevity. So right now I want to introduce you to our guest, Dr. Manka, and he uh, is going to tell you about something called Brain HQ. But before we do that, uh, it is a modality from Puzzit Science, a company I've known for a very long time. In the early days of age tech, we used to meet up at different conferences, and uh, they are one of the few, I'm going to be honest with you, one of the few age tech companies that have flourished and survived. Many of them are things of the past. But one reason is they have really catered to our needs, the needs of the older baby boomer, the emerging baby boomer, and, of course, the caregiver of somebody who's a little older and uh, wants to strengthen their driving strengths, among many other things. And they look at science to do that, not gimmicks. So I'm going to turn to Dr. Manka right now because there was a newly published uh, survey, a meta-analysis, systematic review of what has been used to help us all drive longer. And frankly, it doesn't work. So first we're going to state the problem, but then we have some answers. So Dr. Manka, tell us a little bit about this review that was done. It was published um, in uh, a very important magazine that really deals with drivers and vehicles, the Accident Analysis and Prevention Journal, and really isn't good news. Most of the thing we're, we're looking at to drive longer simply isn't working. Tell us a bit about that until we get to the good news. I'd be happy to, Adrian. And first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on your show. It's really a pleasure. Um, and it's always a pleasure to reconnect with someone that we've known since the uh, since the earliest days of uh, yep. getting brain training and what we're doing at Positive Science going. Um, so you're right about the story. There are, there is some bad news in there, but I'm very much a glass half full guy. That's a that's very much a key part of my strategy for successful aging, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you're absolutely right to say that there's some great news in there as well. 
So, you know, this was a study that was led by, um, by a scientific colleague of mine, Dr. Jerry Edwards at the University of South Florida. And, you know, she's been studying driving uh, and driver education and aging for, um, you know, 20 years now. She's really a, an absolute leader in the field. And one of the things that her, that she and her research team got interested in, in was, um, hey, there are a lot of ways that we try to improve older driver safety. So let's read all of the scientific papers on this topic and right. let's take a comprehensive look, as you said, a systematic review of everything that's known about this. And, you know, there are a lot of things out there that people try for driver safety, right? One of the most common ones is driver education. You know, maybe we should take uh, older drivers uh, and, um, and we should send them back to school, right? Teach them how to use the turn signal again or, you know, remind all of ourselves uh, how do we enter lanes on the highway. Uh, and then there are other kind of programs as well. There are programs that, uh, you know, sort of teach people to adjust how their car uh, suits them. Uh, and then there are programs that uh, tackle things that are, you know, more like, hey, what happens in the brain as we age? Um, you know, is it changes to our brain and our speed and our reaction time that relate to our driving safety as we age? And, uh, you know, as you said, to lead off with some news that might be surprising to a lot of just that, hey, when you look on the whole, there's not good evidence that classic driver education is very helpful. And I think this does come as a surprise to a lot of people because there are a lot of driver education classes out there they sure aimed, are. At, uh, aimed at older drivers. But um, there are. There's tons. And, uh, and, you know, when you think about it, it's a fair to ask yourself, hey, why would that work? You know, if you are, let's say you're 70 years old uh, and uh, you've probably been driving for 50 years. You know, is it, do you think, Adrian, that the problem that a person who's 70 has is that they have forgotten how to use a turn signal or they're not really familiar with how to enter uh, a highway as they're driving? Well, well, let me answer that. Uh, the answer is no, I yeah. don't think that's the problem. But the fact is, if that really is a problem, their problem is not driving. They have another another kind of issue. So we, we do have to You are we do have right to, be, to say yeah, that. You're right to say that. We have to be sensitive <laughs> to the fact that if we're not seeing as well, if we don't know our left from our right, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, uh, and we always did, then we do have some concerns. But that's a different kind of concern. The fact is, you're right. If we have learned a skill like that, we probably still have the ability to use that skill. So reteaching the same skill is not going to help us. Exactly. I think, uh, you know, virtually, you know, most uh, uh, older drivers, um, you know, they know uh, how to use a turn signal. They know how to enter a highway. Now, like you're saying, if you have truly forgotten how to use a turn signal, that, that is a whole different story. And, you know, being evaluated for memory loss or mild cognitive impairment would certainly be a good idea at that point. Um, but, uh, you know, most of us, I think, are not in that boat. And, and of course, that's what this scientific review has shown us. This is sending people back to school doesn't actually make them safer drivers. Um, and that's the glass half empty part because there's a lot of those. Schools. Right, right. But the glass half full part is that it turns out there are some very effective uh, interventions uh, that are out there for improving um, uh, older driver safety. And uh, one of the ones that come forth most strongly is uh, brain training or cognitive training. And, you know, this, this tackles the issue from a whole different perspective. So, you know, what, what people are doing with brain training, and here I should say I'm the CEO of Posit Science. We make one of the brain training programs that Dr. Edwards evaluated in her review. Uh, and the idea with brain training is that, um, hey, as we get older, and here, Adrian, what I mean by getting older is turning about 30, because these changes right. start to happen in our brains really once we're out of our 20s. 
you know, what happens as we get older step by step is that our brains get a bit noisier. They get a bit less accurate, a bit less precise, a bit less fast. And and that has all kinds of effects on, on how our brain processes information. But one of the things that happens that's relevant to driving is that, you know, we become slower to notice things in our peripheral vision, particularly when we're paying attention right ahead of us. So, you know, it's almost like our, it's called the useful field of view. It's almost like our field of view kind of gets narrower. We can see what's ahead of us really well, but we just but don't notice things side. in our peripheral vision yeah. exactly so as quickly when and we come back, yeah, When we come back, we're going to look at a lot of things, the plasticity of the brain, the fact that you can learn, uh, this peripheral vision issue, hand-eye coordination, all the things that Brain HQ from Posit Science kind of retrains us, helps us, spruces us up. And uh, according to uh, many journals and studies, it's actually more effective in allowing us to drive longer. So before we leave this segment, we'll go on to the next one in a few minutes. I want just to emphasize how big this issue is. Uh, 44 million drivers are over the age of 65. There are 78 million baby boomers, by the way. And they are getting close to 65, even the youngest. Remember, there's 18 years between the youngest and the oldest of baby boomers. But 44 million are over the age of 65. And they rank second only to the new drivers, to the inexperienced drivers in crash rates. So this is not a light topic. And they have the highest fatality rates. You don't want that. So you stay with us. And we will talk about the good news with Brain HQ and some of the things that you can do for yourself and the loved ones that you may want to suggest this to. Don't you go anywhere. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, And hello, hello, hello. Once again, this is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. Now, again, we always start with a bit of business. You um, might know that in my other life, I guess it's called my real job, I'm the executive director of the Catalyst Institute for uh, the prevention and the delay of age-related diseases. And I hang with the geroscientists. And what I'm working on right now is making sure people know what geroscience is. But it is the science not of growing older, but of studying aging and even age reversal. And no, we're not immortalists or woo-woo out there. You're going to live forever. You're going to learn how to fly. These are the people who get the drugs like metformin through. Uh, if you have diabetes, you, you know that drug very well. And many others through the FDA. These are also the folks who have created the vaccines that you're thinking about taking. You can't wait to get on the market for COVID and many other diseases. So if you are interested in learning the biologic uh, versus the chronologic issues of aging, you want to look at our institute. It's the catalysinstitute.org. Very simple. K-I-T-A-L-Y-S.org. And you already, many of you, hundreds of you, 
took part in our October conference called Metabesity 2020. And the good news is we will be having a Metabesity 2021. We had 1,000 people at our virtual conference last year, and we're making it a hybrid. It will be in Washington, D.C., if we're allowed. And in any case, it will also be virtual. We had about 14 or 15 countries participate. So that's the good news. Uh, and there's more good news. We're going to switch now to uh, our guest, and he is the CEO of Posit Science, a company I've known for a long time now, from its birth and my uh, first foray into the world of gerontology uh, after being a lawyer for 35 years in the field of elder law. And we're going to talk about some good news, which is the fact that you can retrain your brain so that you have better driving skills and ability and you don't fall into the category of the, uh, the parent whose kids want to take their keys away. And we're here with Dr. Uh, Manka to discuss that. Now, before we do anything, uh, Dr., tell us, if we go to Brain HQ, how do we, what's the website to go to? What will we find when we get there? Uh, anyone who is interested in uh, trying out these kinds of brain train exercises is welcome to come join us. You can come to uh, www.brainhq.com. And uh, one great thing about the, the website is that anyone can register for free. And if you register for free, it will give you a, a brain training exercise every single day to try out. And uh, that's just a wonderful way to decide if, hey, this is something for you. If you're interested, if you like the exercises and um, think you could benefit. Uh, so uh, really the easiest thing in the world for anyone who's listening to your show to say, hey, I'd like to give that a try. Now, I will also tell everybody, and here's the punchline, uh, some insurance companies uh, that insure your car and insure your driving may even give you a discount if you take some of these courses. So you should know that really an important thing for you to think about but if uh, you need the incentive there could be a financial incentive here a little different in each case now in our last segment doctor we were talking about one of the things that we do lose which is perhaps some of our peripheral vision uh and i'm going to ask you a personal question here my mother um she she was very difficult she had glaucoma and she had macular degeneration so because that's inherited I take tests. I take visual field tests constantly. And so far, so good. But does that relate to what you're saying? I mean, I always felt that the lack of peripheral vision came because of a disease like glaucoma, which I might have one day, hopefully not. But are you saying then that many people just by virtue of aging might also lose some of that peripheral vision? Or is it a different kind of condition? Uh, it is a, it, you know, both of those things are true. Um, and what I mean by that is that the kind of peripheral vision, uh, you know, older people, as all of us age, and I'm in this group as well, you know, we do all start to experience this loss of awareness in our peripheral vision on the average. But it's very, very different than things like glaucoma. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, glaucoma is something that specifically happens in the eye. You know, literally, uh, it becomes more difficult for light to make it through the eye and through the lens uh, and make it to the brain. But what I'm talking about are actually changes that are in the brain, um, not in the eye. And uh, what's interesting about that is, um, you know, if we think about a peripheral vision, we think about, uh, you know, perhaps you're driving and you're entering an intersection. Uh, you know, if there's a car that's going perpendicular to you that might uh, jump a stop sign, that visual information still makes it through our eye at any age. That information is actually transmitted to our brain. 
But what happens is that because um, our brains have gotten noisier and more fuzzy as we've gotten older, that although the information arrives at our brain, it doesn't get processed by our attention systems. And in that sense, we don't notice it. So in this way, the, the root causes of the issue are very, very different than glaucoma or cataracts or nearsightedness or farsightedness, all of which are issues that affect the eye itself. This is really a brain issue. And this is to say that this can happen to you and may be happening to you without you realizing it, uh, even though your eye exams are perfectly fine. Uh, we talk a lot, doctor, about uh, uh, fluid intelligence and how we may be losing fluid intelligence that, and have quickness. And I want, to, yeah. um, I, want to, yeah, I want to emphasize something very important here. When I talk to the audience or I'm a speaker and I talk about age reversal, it's very, it's very sensitive because it sounds like science fiction. But if this yes. is happening to us and brain HQ, let's say, brain games, brain exercises, can reverse or stop it, that's age reversal too. It's not just living forever. You have to understand that this is part of that. So what, what type of brain exercise might help with this issue? Well, the term age reversal is certainly a really interesting one. And on the one hand, of course, you know, I hear you and I agree with you. It sounds like sort of an amazing claim, almost a ridiculous claim, you know, is that snake oil. Um, But we already know this in another domain. We just don't call it age reversal. So anyone at any age can start to get more exercise. And if you get more exercise, that exercise is going to change your body, right? You're going to get stronger. Your heart's going to get healthier. You're going to have more endurance. You might lower your cholesterol and your triglycerides and so forth. Now, we don't usually call that age reversal. We just call it getting healthier. But it is right. kind we call of it like wellness. age reversal. Right? Yeah. Wellness. We call it wellness. Wellness. Yeah, but, word. you know, it's a little bit like age reversal, right? If you start to exercise, you might have the heart function of someone who's a little bit younger than your current age. And so when we think about brain training, we think about it exactly the same way. I don't usually use the term age reversal for the reasons that you lay out, but we think about it as brain health and brain wellness. If you do the right things with your brain, you can make your brain healthier and faster and have better cognitive function. And and that's why it's so um, exciting in a way that the changes we're talking about that relate to driving safety are changes that occur in the brain. You know, when the changes occur in the eye, like glaucoma or macular degeneration, there's not a lot we can do about them right now, unfortunately. But with changes in the brain, in some ways there are, and that's because the brain itself remains plastic or capable of change and reorganizing throughout our entire life. So if we ask our brain to do the right thing with the right kind of experience, the right kind of brain training programs, we can rewire it. As a result, we can actually help people, help ourselves, help myself, because I do these training programs too, Uh, you know, do things like improve our useful field of view, have faster and more accurate vision in our peripheral vision. And on the one hand, it's age reversal. It's a superpower, without a doubt, right? right? On the other hand, really what it is, is it's health and wellness, right? We're just taking care of a part of our body, and that part of our body is the brain. Now, when we uh, um, also talk about things we lose, another thing that we lose is um, hand-eye coordination. Sometimes we were great at baseball or even golf, and we stopped. Yes. If we stopped, we're not so good anymore when we get back on the field. Well, that's not so different from driving. So I'm wondering whether the idea of hand-eye coordination is something that we can also maintain or even strengthen through Brain HQ. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, 
the reason that we start to lose hand-eye coordination is um, is actually it's the same reason that we start to lose that peripheral attention, peripheral vision, and so our brains become noisier and fuzzier. And so really, you know, as a scientist, what do we mean by hand or coordination? We mean that the information that comes in, let's say, for our visual system, what we're seeing, right? Maybe we're seeing a ball being pitched towards us. Maybe right. we're looking down the green and we're seeing where the, uh, you know, where the hole is. That information comes through our brain. And, you know, if our brain is operating quickly and accurately, well, that information gets turned into a muscle command quickly and accurately. We swing the bat at the right time. We hit the ball with the right force in the right direction. But if our brain has gotten noisier, if that information processing has gotten fuzzier, you know, it's kind of like watching the scene on a TV that's got static in it. We're not 100% sure how fast the ball is coming at us. We're not 100% sure how far down the green that hole is. And so when we issue those commands to our muscles, they're inaccurate. And we don't swing the bat at the right time or hit the ball correctly. So we come right back on our next uh, segment. Uh, we may say we don't want to miss the ball. Uh, so you stay with us because we want to get practical now and ask the doctor, how often do we have to do these brain games? You know, exercise is something that we know is good for us, but we run from it. Now we need even more exercise. Well, let's talk about it. Don't you go anywhere. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit. I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da, da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. And this is not the only way that I get you information on successful aging and longevity. We also have a weekly newsletter, and every single week I give you at least three uh, special uh, invitations that I get in my uh, inbox, but that we just can't talk about it. We don't have time to talk about it on the air in my blogs, so that you get invited to Sessions that generally only folks in the field of aging, gerontology, geroscience would get invited to. And some of it is just a lot of fun having to do with things like AI, artificial intelligence, uh, certainly having to do with beauty, having to do with sarcopenia. You know, we, we, our arms begin to look like we could fly. They get so floppy. Well, there are things you can do about that. And everything that I invite you to is always free of charge. This is my labor of love as uh, I look at the world of aging and I see how rapidly, how rapidly we may be looking at the greatest challenge of our certainly decade, maybe of our century. And that is uh, longevity that is healthy, not just longevity. Well, if you're going to live long and prosper, you want to be able to continue to drive. And so I devoted, you see what I did there, Dr. Amanka? I, I devoted this program yeah. to that. But, but I got to tell a secret. Now, not everybody knows this, but some do. I did not start to drive until I was 54 years old. And I'll tell you why. Wow. I, I, yes, I am right-left dyslexic. And that is not normal. 4,000 people in the United States are completely life right-left dyslexic. That means that if you say right, I will raise my left hand. 
and I can't do anything about that. If uh, like I just don't go to a Zumba class because I'm going to knock you down. Uh, <laughs> the minute they they say go right, great, fine, I'm going the other direction. And I've learned to compensate all my life through that from the time I was born. But the one thing I could not do was drive safely. Uh, I actually got a license and I memorized the course, and that's how I got to get my license. But I was having too many um, minor accidents, and I stopped driving. When I began to drive, and I've been driving now for 20 years, it was because of technology. And that was called the GPS, who talked to me and showed me exactly which direction to go. So you can imagine how devoted I am to the idea of technology. And this is really what positive science is about, looking at the science and then bringing the technology to us. So what you've been telling us at Brain HQ is, look, there are ways that you can simply reverse some of the deficits of aging, of your awareness of, of what's going on in the periphery, like hand-eye coordination we talked a little bit about. There's a lot of other things. But they are exercises, and I would like you to be realistic with us. Uh, just like yeah. the, you know, you mentioned regular bio exercises, but you got to do them. So you got to do them. Yeah, tell us, tell us about what it's really like, maybe describing what you do in your life or what you suggest, what positive science suggests in terms of personal commitment to this. Yeah, so it is important to be realistic. Um, and there are no magic bullets, right? I'm not here to tell you that brain HQ or brain training is a magic bullet where you take one pill and all of a sudden you're going to have the brain function of someone in their 30s. And if anyone does tell you that, you know that they're selling snake oil one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But what I am here to tell you is that, hey, in the same way that a regular uh, pattern of physical activity can help make your heart healthier and give you more energy and improve your quality of life, you know, the right regular patterns of brain practice, brain exercise, brain activity can do the same thing for, uh, for you at the brain level. So, you know, first of all, what does the science tell us? Well, most of the science done with brain HQ exercises has shown that as few as 10 hours of training or in other cases, studies with 40 hours of training or so, you know, are enough to drive improvements in cognitive function and real-world function. And on the one hand, uh, maybe that seems like a lot, but, you know, 10 or 40 hours of training spread out over the course of two or three or four months, you know, what are we really talking about? We're really talking about training your brain maybe about two hours a week, you know, sustainably for 8, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 14 weeks, four months in that area. And, you know, viewed that way, that's actually, as a scientist, remarkably little brain training. <laughs> and in fact, we often right, get the right. question from the other side, how do you drive such large effects with such a, such a limited amount of brain training? Um, and, you know, I can talk more about how that works at the brain level. The, uh, the short answer is that, um, hey, brains are pretty plastic and you can change them pretty rapidly if you apply yourself. So it's not a magic bullet. It does take time and effort, but it takes time and effort that's, you know, probably similar to what people are already thinking about for physical exercise. It's certainly not more than that. Um, and in that sense, it's something that I think a lot of people who are looking to make a positive improvement in their brain health, you know, it's something that people can find time to work into their lives. So let, let me just say a couple of results here because the, it is pretty astounding. We said before that um, of the drivers who are over the age of 65, 44 million of them, uh, do drive, and they are second only to the br brand new novice driver in crashing. Uh, even more yep. I don't know, devastating is that 
if you're over the age of 75, when you do have a crash, we have the highest death rates. But here are some of the yes. studies yes. have shown about positive results. 38% fewer dangerous driving maneuvers, faster reaction time, which you were mentioning before, equivalent to 22 feet more stopping distance at 55 miles an yep. hour. And then you have yep. the emotional side. And let's turn to that for, for a moment. The emotional side is the greater confidence in driving uh, in difficult conditions. Now, I have to tell you that that's a very interesting concept because it's very hard to quantify. I live with a fella who is the best driver I know. Uh, I think it's genetic. His father was one of those drivers that would take one car from one place to another for you uh, until he was 87 oh, yeah. years yeah, until he was 87 years old. So, wow. I th- yeah, so good driving runs in that family. Meanwhile, I could not drive until I was 54. But that feeling of confidence, how, how, how do you measure that? Is that empirical a thank yous from your, from your customers or, cause it's very, it's very yeah. important. Yeah. Well, uh, l- let me say one thing about your fella, if you don't mind. Uh, I, it sounds like he's a great driver and his dad was too. I don't think that means it's genetic. I bet your fellow's dad gave him an awful lot of driving training as he was uh, a teenager and a young man. And in that sense, your fellow's brain got rewired by his dad. So it's not the genes. I bet it's the life experience of having a parent who had that skill and passed it on. That's not generally so how we think about brain plasticity. I have to <laughs> yeah. tell you, that is so fascinating. My father-in-law was a dry cleaner. And he was one of those dry cleaners that delivered the clothes. And my husband uh, sat, sat with him from being a little boy all the way up through teens, so delivering there clothes you go. and watching him drive. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely that is the, right. That is the brain input right there. Uh, and so, um, you know, about the uh, confidence, you know, when we measure confidence, this is a very quantitative, scientifically rigorous uh, uh, measurement. This is not a vague um, hey, I really like this, or I feel better now. The way this gets measured is uh, is with a questionnaire that's uh, about uh, driving habits and what's called drive space. And the questionnaire uh, asks you basically three families of questions, the first of which is, um, uh, hey, how, how far are you comfortable driving, right? Are, do you drive, uh, are you the kind of person who only drives down to the corner store, or are you the kind of person who um, drives across the country from time to time? And the second group of questions ask you about your driving frequency. Do you drive once a month? Do you drive four times a day? (laughs) And then the last question, and perhaps the most interesting questions, are around what are the restrictions that you impose on your own driving? Uh, So some people, for example, are not comfortable making a left turn. Some people are not comfortable driving at night. Some people are only comfortable driving if someone else is in the car with them to kind of keep an eye out, <laughs> to which my well, answer is always, hey, maybe, maybe let that person drive. It's those numbers that then get turned into an overall measure of driving confidence. And if you're a person who only drives once a month and you only drive to the corner store and you never drive at night, you get kind of a low score on driving confidence. Right. And alternatively, if you drive every day and you're happy to drive from one state to the next, and, you know, you drive at night, then, then you've got to get a high score. So that's where those numbers come from. They're really very quantitative measures of how comfortable are people with driving behaviors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how this can impact your life if a time comes that you don't drive. I want you to think about that in the moment uh, between now and our next segment. Think about your life if they did take away the keys. We'll be right back. 
You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, cause I am happy. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrienne Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth about aging. Now, for those of you who have my newsletter, you know that you were invited to a streaming, you can really listen to it anytime you want, a webinar on biomarkers with four of the top geroscientists in the world uh, who are working on biomarkers, looking actually at different indices or hallmarks of aging in your particular body and marking them to tell you what your biologic age is. So it's a fascinating topic. Uh, There are even websites that are called the biologic clock and so on. And people are beginning to use them. And so, of course, doctors are beginning to use them. And even the NIH, National Institute on Health, and NIA, National Institute on Aging, are um, looking at making those covered right now. If you want to get your biomarkers and understand what they are, you have to pay for it and see how useful they really are. It's almost, think of it as a glorified scale. You might go on the scale to be able to track uh, your weight. Well, you may be able to track the hallmarks of aging. Now this week, just this week, December 14th, actually, two very important things happen. Deep um, Longevity, which is really a funding group, for geroscience, came up with a biomarker of psychological aging. And the second major thing that happened was, and I'm part of this group, the United Nations declared 2021 through 2030 the International Decade of Healthy Aging. They had never done anything like this before, and of course, COVID was a big catalyst to this. So things are popping globally, and if you want to know What is the cutting edge of not only the science, but the culture of aging, ageism, the ability to work and stay in the workforce? All of these things you will know from our newsletter every week. It's free, always free. Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com and sign up. So let's go back. We've been talking about, um, with the CEO of of Posit Science, a particular one of their modalities, the use of Brain HQ to help us drive. Now, uh, 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 Dr. Monica, when we go to Brain HQ, we see more than just driving skills. And Posit Science is focused on many of the things that allow us to reverse or maintain our mental capacity as we age uh, through, through your research and through exercises that we do. So give us a, a little bit more of a smorgasbord, we'll say, of some of the things we can accomplish through brain uh, exercises. Yeah, that's a, that's a great and an important observation, Adrian, because everything we've been talking about, about how the brain works as related to driving, where we've been saying, look, the brain gets noisier, it gets slower, it gets less precise on the average as we get older, and that affects our driving skills. We don't notice things as well as our peripheral vision. 
Well, when you step back, that same basic story affects just about everything about our brain and how it works in the world on the average. So we can take a huge jump and talk about hearing, right? As, uh, as we get older, on the average, uh, our hearing systems in the brain get a little slower and noisier as well. And as a result, it can be hard to hear people who are speaking quickly, like, uh, like young kids. It can be hard to hear well in a noisy environment, like um, you know, if you're at a, at a restaurant in the pre-COVID days, that might be noisy. It could be hard to hear who you're talking with over dinner. Uh, and those same changes in the brain uh, actually can be improved in the same way we talked about driving. So at Posit Science, uh, at part of Brain HQ, there's actually more than two dozen brain training exercises that target everything from vision to hearing to memory to decision-making and attention. And, you know, as a neuroscientist, each one of those exercises targets a different part of the brain, <laughs> uh, but in the same way to make that part of the brain work more quickly and more accurately. And in the same way, if you think about going to the gym, you might see 14 kinds of weight machines and you might see rowing machines and you might see step classes and you might see a basketball court. You know, all of those things in their own way can contribute to physical health and all these different kinds of brain exercises can contribute to brain health and help improve very broad things like memory and decision making and, and even improve things like uh, depressive symptoms and help people improve their overall health-related quality of life. So well, it's an amazing reminder that the brain's a part of the body. And a really important one. Sorry, thank you. No, certainly. And I will say that in terms of loneliness, one of the number one killers of older adults, um, a lot of that has to do with not being able to hear. Uh, you can yeah. you self you often self isolate that way, uh, even in a crowd, and it's it's pretty devastating. It does cause depression. Um, Dr. Nir Barzilai, who's who's I'm a devotee of of his work. He's the head of um, the re- research in aging at Albert Einstein and his latest book came out, but he has done the centenarian study and he studies people over the age of 100. And I asked him, did anybody die of COVID that we, you've been studying? He says, one woman, what happened? She didn't get COVID. She stopped eating because of depression, because of her isolation. Oh my goodness. This is a really, really important thing, connecting hearing. I have two blogs out uh, called Hear This, begging people to admit that they cannot hear and take care of it because they can't. So, so this, this is really a far-reaching uh, sort of thing. Now, what I, what I wanted to ask you also uh, with regard to this, you know, it, it's just like exercise. Is it possible to be competitive about this? This is something I don't know about positive science. Wondering if you've been looking at the motivation for people. It's such a, I think it's a wonderful question. Uh, it's a wonderful question, actually. We spent a lot of time thinking about motivations because as we talked about a moment ago, you do have to do brain HQ in order to benefit from it. And so right. we think a lot and we talk to a lot of people about, hey, what would motivate you to do more brain training? And it's interesting. When we talk to our users, uh, you know, they come in, I would call, two segments. I would say the majority of them, but not the overwhelming majority, but certainly the majority are in a segment where hey, they mostly want to make sure they maintain what they have in terms of cognitive function, and, and they want a fair amount of guidance and a comfort, right? They want to know that they're using Brain HQ correctly. They're doing this the way that scientists want to do it. And, and this group of people, when we interview them, you know, they want to see that they're making progress compared to their own baseline, where they started, uh-huh. but they're actually not really that interested in knowing where they stand compared to other people because, you know, maybe they're a little apprehensive or nervous about it. 
And so uh, we have a system in Brain HQ called the Personal Trainer that's exactly right for those kinds of people. And it puts you on a schedule and tells you what to do each day. And you see your progress day after day. But there's definitely a second group of users, and there are a fair number of these that are, that are you know, what I would call really achievement-oriented, right? They don't want to just do necessarily three times a week, 30 minutes a time. They want to see that they're in the top 10th percentile of people on speed scores, right? They actually want to compare their scores to their friends and say, you know, who's the best and, right. um, and so forth. And, and for that group of users, um, you know, you can actually pick exercises individually in Brain HQ that you want to excel at. And you can get actually like a lot of performance information around exactly how well you've done every single time you've played and and, uh, and where you sit compared to other people. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, frankly, those are both perfectly valid ways about going to train your brain. You know, whatever physical motivates exercise, you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, whatever motivates you. That's right. Some people are motivated to go for a, a walk three times a week and they just want to check their calendar and say, hey, I did it. And other people want to go out and play basketball and be the high scorer on the team. You know what? Those are both great. They are well, both I, great. Will, I will end this wonderful session with you guessing which one I would be. Uh, when I would bring my, my grades, my mom, uh, and I would say, she said, what'd you get? I'd say 99%. She would say, who got 100? <laughs> so you, you could just imagine which, which one of those I yes. am. Well, we I can so imagine much. the effect that had on your brain development. Yeah, you, you bet. <laughs> So Positive Science CEO, we, it's been wonderful to talk uh, with Dr. Manka. Uh, take a look at Brain HQ, sign up. You have some freebies there. You may even get a reduction in your, in your driving insurance. And uh, more importantly, they won't want to take the keys away from you. And I will say to everybody <laughs> as I do each week, get out there, kids, even if you have to stay in, and make it happen. I'm inappropriate.